Here's a message from today's episode's sponsor. Welcome to the Future of Pharmacy podcast, featuring the innovators transforming medication management. Welcome to the Future of Pharmacy podcast. I'm Ken Perez, Omnicell Vice President of Healthcare Policy and Government Affairs, and I'm your host. Join host Ken Perez, Omnicell Vice President of Healthcare Policy, for conversations with industry innovators, healthcare peers, and internal Omnicell experts sharing practical advice, personal experience, and the best practices for technology-driven medication management in the quest for zero errors. Alan was just sharing about the importance of connecting those disparate systems and getting everything to talk and being interoperable in order for us to really achieve the fully autonomous pharmacy. The Future of Pharmacy podcast presented by OmniCell is for health system pharmacists who are tech curious, looking for ways to improve operations, outcomes, and safety, and ultimately gaining a better understanding of the future of pharmacy. Subscribe to the Future of Pharmacy podcast on Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. You're listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. until about 2016 that after uh, being in podcasting for at that time about nine years that we realized that hub services within the specialty pharmacy market were so much more important than what we had originally thought in accelerating pre-authorizations as well as payment issues that you may have um, with regards to getting a, a medication paid for and then the other ancillary services that tie into a disease state, as well as the complexities of the medication management of maybe uh, what that patient is going through. And that really made me fall in love with specialty pharmacy specifically. But then I started thinking as a technologist, somebody who came from the pharmacy management system, how important it was to have system providers, as well as patient-focused technologies to tie in mobile applications or um, life science information portals or something that could um, help a, um, a pharmacist classify what a patient was going through and repeat that over and over again, depending on the intricacies of care. What I'm excited about today is bringing to the table an organization uh, led by a man, um, Greg Johnson, who is leading LifeLink systems and what this means for our healthcare um, players and collaborators. But if you're listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network, it's it's we're by bi- we're going to admit it we're biased. It's it's about what the pharmacist is doing and how the pharmacist is uh, is making healthcare uh, better for our patients. We want to welcome CEO of LifeLink Systems, Drake, Greg. Uh, Johnson to the to the podcast. I'm so excited to be talking with you, Greg. Welcome. Good to be here, Todd. I'm looking forward to the conversation. So I learned about LifeLink Systems and immediately as the stalker that I am started digging into the platform and understanding that workflow and uh, customer relationship or, or clinician relationship management, uh, as well as 
the tie-in in the uh, APIs that are tied into electronic medical records. What a mess it was when I entered pharmacy way back in 2004, where the pharmacy management system was not communicating very well with electronic health records and how um, the evolution of integration has been so important. And of course, the memes that are coming out for nerds like me about fire and what that really means with interconnectivity mm-hmm. is, um, is become kind of like the new tongue in cheek. But I wanted to kind of just give your um, organization as well as understanding from a pharmacy perspective and pharmacy operations perspective, Tell us about yourself, Greg, and as well as uh, LifeLink Systems. Well, I'm the CEO of the company. My background is, uh, you know, 25, well, almost 30 years of um, technology innovation here in Silicon Valley. I live in the Bay Area of California, which is where the company's headquartered, and has spent my time in a lot of time in life sciences. Generally, the last company that I, I um, Co-founded was a company called his company called GT Nexus, which is a supply chain platform. A large portion of the business was around large life sciences companies, pharmaceutical companies, helping them manage their their global supply chain. Um, you know, I think what's what really has us animated and excited about our 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 mission here at LifeLink is, you know, we're the beneficiaries in some ways of so many great trends that have all kind of come together at the same time. One is, I mean, there's just been an, an amazing acceleration of technology in lots of ways, lots of dimensions over the last decade or so. And, you know, engineering frameworks, the, you know, the advent and now the, the, the widespread adoption of cloud, you know, um, the ability to move uh, solutions and systems outside the four walls of a company and create shared infrastructure. Um, and also AI and machine learning, a lot of really fast, really important breakthrough technologies being developed in, in AI. And then if you think about mobile phones, consumers walking around with super power and supercomputer systems in their pockets, this is kind of an amazing thing. I mean, if we step back and look at just how fast that happened, where you've got really everybody walking around with a smartphone, you know, that's the place to meet patients or consumers. And, you know, healthcare is, I don't have to tell you this, you know it, but the consumer experience in healthcare is, is hard. It's fraught with challenges and friction. And there's a huge information asymmetry between operators and clinicians and pharmacists and the systems that they use and the average consumer. So we arrive at a time when it's really, really um, perfect to begin to innovate and break through. And what LifeLink is really doing is delivering a very different kind of patient experience technology, one that's mobile, simple, and conversational. So when we talk about the interfaces that a consumer uses to engage a healthcare system or to pick up a, to to fill a prescription at a pharmacy or to be reminded of an appointment, we believe that the best way to do that is with a natural, low friction, immediate, conversation. When I say conversation, I, I mean mostly chat. I mean messaging, kind of what we're doing on our phones. So this is not like heavy apps or portals or things that I have to remember and go find. It's all about the, 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 the science of overwhelmingly easy, how to make things super simple, super frictionless. And that drives 
activation and engagement and adoption and better healthcare outcomes. So it's on that premise of design and simplicity that we've created a company that really has gotten behind this idea of how to create digital conversations, how to give, how to give the stakeholders in healthcare um, the, the superpower of both creating um, smart digital conversation-based journeys that automate work, that automate the work that humans would normally have to do for a lot of these repetitive administrative tasks that you're talking about, um, but also to power them. So when they're built and designed, you've got a, a single technology stack, Lifelink, that is enabling these conversations to happen at scale. So what's really, the, the last thing I'll say about this and the excitement of it is, it's, it's another inflection point, which is the software becomes the worker. Mm-hmm. You know, the software is, is not just, it's not throwing an app or a portal or a pamphlet over the wall and having a consumer sort of figure it out. It's like putting a team around that information to help the consumer understand it, decipher it, you know, come back to it, remember it. And so when you do that, you're really starting to do the work that, that until now humans have had to do. And it's the kind of work that humans in some ways shouldn't be doing. It's, it's, it tends to be the, the administrative work that is really perfect for computers and humans should be spending their time on things like empathetic discernment, decisioning, clinical decisions, these kinds of things. So we can really free human workforces up to do the work that humans are great at while taking the robotic work out of their daily lives and and making that really um, super user-friendly and simple for consumers to engage in and use. You know, there is a context and an understanding that our generation, and I'm talking about you and I and um, our demographic per se, where we're going to appreciate things differently than healthcare providers 20 years from now who will have no context or understanding before the time of the iPhone or the smartphone where there was such high demand on what we're taking for granted. And I don't because I don't take technology for granted because I remember when there was zero technology in my hand and I was using the phone book or I was using the library to go to, um, you know, to, to go do my research project in eighth, you know, eighth grade as a, or as a senior when I'm going to the, to the, um, the library to look up. But now it's, you just fire up your, your iPhone and we have a hundred times more processing power than the Apollo guidance computer that was used to put the first man on the moon. And, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. 86% of our consumers are carrying a smartphone in their pocket. And that means yeah. 6.6 billion people across every region of the world have a smartphone in their hands. So the acceleration of access to information, but then con- context to the information, which I consider evidence-based information should be accessible through artificial intelligence, should bring that quickly to our healthcare providers, AKA that pharmacist provider, and leave out any of the guesswork based on the, the acceleration and the behind the scenes of the artificial intelligence happening leaving the empathy, leaving the discernment, leaving the decision process to the individual healthcare provider, the physician, the pharmacist, the nurse practitioner, or the teams of those people making the final decision. But the context and the information accessible to us based on 
what we used to call big data, but we're, we're noticing uh, once again, Greg, that we're, that's an outdated term and it's not called yeah. big data anymore. It's just called yeah. data. But yeah. I mean, LifeLink came in at the right time because you didn't have to invent concepts. Whereas if you would have said it to me 10 years ago, artificial intelligence, that was still very mystified. It was still very, you know, um, science fiction-y per se. Whereas mm -hmm. today it's not because it, it, mm -hmm. it's part of everything that I'm doing on my iPhone is tied back to how artificial intelligence is accelerating accessible information and the yeah. right information based on the context. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think that that AI space has also broadened and deepened. So there's just many areas of it. You know, there is the, I think for our listeners, you, you know, one way to think about it is um, sophisticated software that is allowing us to make better predictions and next steps in things. That's, that's one, you know, very obvious place. And you get there by observing patterns and data and, and uh, testing hypotheses and, and the systems that we're talking about are learning systems. They can learn uh, and, and find solutions in the middle of watching and ingesting lots of data over time. Um, so, you know, we're, we're taking advantage of all that technology too. And, you know, even the area where we say, lead the discernment and the, the high upper end top of life in human activities to humans, there will be plenty of that, that domain that, that AI gets to eventually too. You know, it's, it's, it's just a matter of time where fairly sophisticated um, uh, computing AI systems can begin to make better predictions. And we're already seeing this in, and we're already seeing this in parts of, of medicine. I mean, AI looking at, you know, in, in imaging and uh, AI as an, as an eye to look at things and see patterns. And this is a very, very powerful and getting to the place where it's better than humans in, in some of these cases, but there's such a huge, huge opportunity to automate, um, a lot of the workflow and a lot of the outreach. So, you know, we're very tightly focused on consumer engagement, which has something to do with using language. And so we use AI and machine learning to understand in some cases what somebody's trying to do what what they're trying to say. Um, that's a, that's a very classic natural language processing, um, part of AI that we, we use, but we also use it to make predictions and, and, and sort of make best next recommendations for consumer workflow. When I think of a specialty pharmacist, who's focused on a very specific disease state, maybe in oncology, for example, and the medication they know based on the last 1,000 doses uh, presents some kind of feeling and or level of sickness on day two or day four or day nine of taking that treatment. If that's part of the data that's been collected and LifeLink has access to that, how many pharmacists or pharmacy technicians or support organizations within hospital systems could at least let them know of what's coming based on the treatment start or based on the treatment level of where they're at. And you know what, when I have an element or something that's bothering me and I call someone and I start describing it and they start kind of feeding back to me what they think might be wrong, there's an element of comfort and trust that's developed between me and that healthcare provider. Mm -hmm. And there's an, that's another, um, 
conduit of of acceleration and information that LifeLink brings to the to the pharmacist is is the trust, and they're they're the most, if not the second most trusted to to nurses, um, healthcare professionals out there, and having mm-hmm. LifeLink in their hands to um, help them predict what a patient may be going through because of the collection of so much data. I see AI transforming healthcare and the workflow that a that a pharmacist is is um, you know in in order to repeat that over and over again to ensure that um, that patients don't have to worry that they that they can reach out to someone that they trust. Can you kind of build out the conversational AI and how it's powering language and communication uh, between humans and machines? Sure. I mean, this may not be a super obvious thing for everybody listening, uh, but but it's worth just starting at the at the beginning here, which is to say, language, you know, words, uh, is the ultimate interface, right? Not, we we don't have to learn where buttons and drop downs and icons are on a app or in a portal or a web application. To um, to engage a language based system, so you know, wouldn't it be wouldn't it be awesome if um, when it, when it came time to renew your DMV registration and you were confused about the deadline or whether you're going to get stickers or what the price was, you could simply text a number and say, "What do I owe for my DMV registration this time?" and and you got a response immediately that said, "It's three hundred forty nine dollars if you pay on time. That's March tenth." And the way you do it is you put it an envelope in, in, the, in the mail and get it done. And I can send you that right now. That that kind of response is exactly what we're talking about. I don't have to learn anything. I don't have to go anywhere to I, I, I text number or it comes to me. And so language is simple. Its learning curve is zero. It is immediate. And we're language creatures. We're based to kind of say something, wait for a response come back so we we're more engaged when we're in dialogue as opposed to reading a package insert for example yeah. so um, there's a huge opportunity to take that modality and make it the primary modality and this is what consumers are doing on their phone if you think about you know statistics today people are you said 86% of the people are walking around with a mobile phone a smartphone well it turns out that what they're doing on that phone increasingly is engaging message-based apps and message-based modalities like texting. People spend more time in messaging-based apps and texting than they do in social networks now. Okay, so that says something about language as a modality. And once you go there, once you realize, oh, that modality is a natural thing, what if you built a whole infrastructure around that idea? What if you built a whole technology layer that was primarily built around this idea of simplicity, speed, no training, you know, democratic, available to everybody. Uh, and then you focus on specific areas where it was really hard and difficult and we're not getting very good traction today, like educating consumers on their medications. Yeah. So, you know, wouldn't it be great if instead of stapling, you know, the messaging to a, to a bag or sending somebody home with a package insert, they had a 24 by seven, pharmacist assistant that could answer any question about that and and do it with the right tone and the right branding of the pharmacist or the organization the pharmacist belongs to. So 
this layer, this technology layer, this conversational layer becomes a digital workforce that does the work and a lot of the, it does a lot of the handholding in the name of and the way exactly how the organization would like to portray itself um, to the consumer. So I think education is great. Reminders are great. Uh, FAQ, customer service about how things work, that's great. These are all the things that I'm sure, you know, pharmacists everywhere realize, oh, this is this is the stuff I have to contend with every day. But if it, it happens over and over and over again, can't we just automate it in a way that makes sense for the consumer? Check. And then finally, as you suggest, all this generates data and insights, right? So you can begin to see, oh, these are the kinds of questions that these that this particular patient tends to ask and care about. So this can drive content or it can drive new services to educate or change your strategic direction in terms of what you invest in. So, um, you know, you're really getting a, you're not just delivering automation, you're collecting consumer behavior and preference data, which guides strategic decisioning. I think to further expand what LifeLink Systems is doing for our listeners and pharmacists that are out there is understanding the power of what you've already built and the ability to automate a range of those patient-facing workflows that take that take place before the appointment or during the appointment or after the appointment where that patient is interactive with a messaging platform that then can give them follow-up and can be intuitive to uh, the description of, of what happens after their second appointment with their physician within the, you know, the condition or the, the disease state or the plan that they have in place. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And how LifeLink is doing that 850,000 times per month where you're, you have all that data coming in. You have this satisfaction rate of 92% of the interaction of what patients are feeding back to LifeLink. Talk to our pharmacist about that actual technology, which I think is a, an enormous flex for, for your organization. Yeah, so behind every digital conversation, and that's what we call those those. Those interactions, they're 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 chat, they're message based, they're language based, but they're conversations. And oftentimes, what we're doing is stitching together a series of conversations that make up a workflow. So you can imagine the education ahead of getting a prescription, uh, or or post prescription, but before picking it up. Um, you can imagine the adherence routines that happen where you're, you're getting reminders or you're there to answer questions or you're checking in once you've picked up the script. Uh, these are all multi-day, multi-week, sometimes multi-month uh, long workflows. They're connected. And it's important for that digital, for digital conversation number seven to have some context and memory of what digital conversation number two was. Because a lot of these conversations involve collecting data, asking questions like, how are you feeling? Do you have any questions? In some of these workflows, they're heavy data collection because you're doing screening or you're checking in on symptoms after, you know, in a disease state or a therapy line. So what you learn in conversation number two should be reflected in conversation number seven. So our technology is not just about automating a single interaction or conversation. It's about stitching multiple conversations over time into the context of a journey, context of a care plan, 
context of some workflow that you're automating. And to make that happen, you've got to have some pretty big engineering technology layers and built and building blocks. So integration is one very important layer, integrating into the EMR systems or the CRM systems or the lab systems of a, of a underlying healthcare organization, um, both to pull data out or to, to watch over record changes in those systems, but also to push data back into those systems. You can imagine doing a annual wellness screener where you're going to interview a patient once a year on things like stress and mental state and you know uh, alcohol consumption and the 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 results of that interview that digital conversation interview it goes right back into a back-end system somewhere and that saves a whole interview cycle right um, so integration technology is really important to this conversational native back but so is modeling the state and flow of any journey. So the technology has to be able to describe uh, and configure journey, flow. And then it has to have conversations that are also very configurable and that can be tweaked or adjusted to fit the, 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 the personality, the mode of the underlying organization and, and the, Thing that we're trying to automate. So these three big things from conversation layers at the top and the machineries to drive those with workflow technology in the middle and then integrations, bi-directional integration technology are really the big building blocks of a stack like this. And, you know, it's a conversation native technology stack. So, you know, this thing has not been around for a decade. This, this is, this is new, right? This, this animal that can power these kinds of things is a new kind of technology, but but we're finding our way into existing, you know, sediment layers of technology that have been has been laid down already. So the EMRs are there, and the and the mobile phone infrastructure is there, and uh, you know, messaging infrastructure is there, and we're just taking advantage of a lot of these elements, but putting a wholly new technology stack that's designed specifically for building and generating and powering these digital conversations. And that's that's all that's all new in the last four or five years. You know, another element and point that I want to kind of pull out and talk to you about, uh, Greg, is the fact that it's not limited to a specific app. So uh, it's not kind of hostage to 300,000 plus mobile apps that are out there um, that that we expect consumers just to download and use and that's just not the case. Uh, as as awesome as some of them are, um, they're just busy. So when they see their physician, they get the prescription, they um, go to the pharmacy, there's so much happening between that. As a matter of fact, uh, 40 plus percent of prescriptions uh, written are sometimes not being filled uh, for specific disease states. And depending on the disease state, in diabetes or oncology or pain management to to the consumer, it doesn't matter. They have a condition, they, um, they want it taken care of as quickly as possible. Now you're asking them to download an app and fill in their name and their demographics and their email address. Talk to our listener about how LifeLink Systems has kind of gotten away from being hostage to an app and how you're integrated in working with EHRs and, and other systems to, to really accelerate the usage of artificial intelligence. 
Yeah, there, there may be a few, and I mean a few, a handful of examples or outliers where an app can sort of win the day. But far and away, by far, the app is friction. You know, it not only does it need to be downloaded, which takes time and it's confusing for a lot of people, um, but it needs to be stored on your phone with 65 other apps. So it's hard to, it's hard to manage. And in a lot of healthcare interactions are not interactions that happen every day. So if you were using an Uber app or a travel app or something like that, you might sort of learn your way around the fun house of an app where things exist and how to get back to your password setting and how to, but apps come with a lot of friction. What Lifelink did is to circumnavigate it by going right to the browser, native browser on a, on a mobile phone. So when you get a text message, an SMS message from the pharmacy or from a, from a, from a hospital system or a specialty therapy hub, there'll be a link in that text message. People open text messages today. It is not a 4%, 3% open rate like phones. It's, you know, it's above 90%. So people, if that, if that SMS message is coming from a trusted source, the open rates are going to be really high. And what we do is we link right from there with a conversation. We thread it so the conversation continues into the native browser and it's seamless. There's nothing to download. And there are no usernames or passwords because we're coming from a place where we know that we're sick, we're sending to a mobile phone that is controlled by a person. And the phone itself is the security device. And then we ask a couple challenge questions that unlock and allow us to move PHI back and forth securely. So you have no download, no app to remember. You don't have to remember a username or password because we're gonna ask you challenge questions that you already know. Between your lock on the phone, your possession of it, a unique link in an SMS message and these challenge questions, we can get a consumer into a HIPAA compliant PHI laden conversation in 13 seconds reliably at you know, 50 to 80% traction rates. So that, that is a one part of, I think, eliminating the friction. It's just the first part, right? Because you got to get it, you got to get onto the super highway. But if you have this great experience of, 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 uh, of, a, of a journey that you need to get to, you got to, you need the on-ramp to get to the super highway. So we've done a lot of work to make it easy to get into a conversation. And then when you're in the conversation, it's language-based and straightforward. So that's simple. I, I really think we've wildly overestimated the level of friction that a consumer will put up with. People abandon, people abandon digital apps, digital healthcare solutions because of an extra two or three minutes of friction, right? right? It really comes down to that. We're impatient because we're seeing lots of innovation in other industries. And if we can't get the kind of speed and convenience that we're starting to see in other industries, we're not gonna, we're not gonna adopt the thing that healthcare is pushing at us. So healthcare really has an opportunity to be the, the most innovative consumer-centric industry on the planet because we really do care about our healthcare, right? We, we really do wanna, but, but it's, it's been pretty hard to use the tools and the systems that have been given to us. And I think this bit of science, this bit of technology is all about reversing that, making it easy, simple, and natural for consumers to engage. So when, when we have our listeners out there and they're thinking what an interesting topic, um, the acceleration of patient care, 
pharmacy care through the usage and leverage of artificial intelligence. My question to you, Greg, is who is your customer? I mean, I know that the patient is ultimately the customer, but who are you actually in, you know, in contract with to assure that the LifeLink system technology is being utilized as, as designed? Yeah, so our, our customer, our customers are healthcare organizations of various types. We have life sciences companies, we have life sciences companies that employ hubs, you know, in specialty pharma, that, that's, a, that's a major segment for us. We uh, also consider a massive amount of, well, the healthcare systems and providers themselves, large healthcare delivery systems, our customer for LifeLink. We are not direct to consumer. We're not selling our technology or building things that we go right to the consumer market. Pharmacists, pharmacies, um, healthcare providers, life sciences companies, insurance companies for healthcare. These are these are the customers for LifeLink, and we're equipping them with the technology so that their consumer and patient relationships can improve. So I think of specialty pharmacy specifically, um, and I think of the hubs that are being set up and grown to assist the, the pharmacist and the pharmacy care team to accelerate things that come into pre-authorization, for example. Give us an example yeah. of how LifeLink systems would help in a pre-auth uh, situation, which can become so frustrating for the, the pharmacy care team. Sometimes a patient more often than not, um, doesn't have a, a good handle or maybe has an old insurance card or some of the, some of the information that was entered on an enrollment form earlier at the clinic or with the physician is out of sync with their card. So just having a conversation to confirm that we have the right data um, can go a long way to streamlining a, a prior auth or benefits verification step you think of the little bits of clearance, financial and, and authorization steps that have to happen. And many times they're thrown off because we're just working with the wrong data. And the patient will often know the right answer. And if they don't, they know they need to go find it. So, you know, instead of having uh, an agent, a human agent, trying to make an outbound phone call that nobody picks up uh, four, five, seven times, this digital assistant scores goals at a higher rate. They, they tend to, the, the text message comes and it comes from a place that you, you trust. So it, it names itself and you know what it's about. Uh, and there's a record of it on your phone. But that, that work of confirming and doing a little bit of intake and having the actual conversation that a human would have, and then letting the patient know that there's a whole team behind this, that they could likely get a, a conversation, a call from, a, from one of the support staff. And they can, that digital assistant can also set up a call, right? So it just, it's about pushing convenience around all those steps, which includes, yes, you're, you're right, you know, navigating a prior auth, but also making their way through a benefits verification and keeping the patient informed of status. Like, here's where you are in the process. You know, it turns out that in so many cases, the number one complaint that patients will have in a process like that is, they don't know where they are in the process. They don't know the status, right? So, and their status is unique. 
They can't just look in a book to find out what their status is. They can't look in a pamphlet. They need to be told, oh, this has happened already. This is about to happen. So you can expect X. That conversation is perfect for this technology. It just, it, it can be delivered at scale. It's what the consumer's looking for. So even if you're not automating something yet, just letting the patient know that the audit, that the work is happening is a huge step forward, right? So I almost think of it as that way, Todd. It's like, get the patient to a place where they understand what's happening in status, like a pizza tracker, you know? It's being baked, okay, it's being picked up. Now it's on the way to the house, it's 10 minutes away. Like that's not a small thing in healthcare. If you can deliver that experience around these complicated workflows, it's a major step forward. And then you can begin to automate things like take a picture of your insurance card. Okay, that looks right, that's what we have on file, thanks a lot. Right, that those are those are beautiful little moments in a in an engagement flow. I like the example that we read about um, from Banner Health, which is a large thirty hospital system that operates in six southwestern states, and how during the pandemic uh, they had to reopen to see patients for routine care, and they they of course <clears throat> that safety came into it, especially during the yeah. heightened part of our our pandemic. Describe to us um, that story and how LifeLink Systems uh, was was being that, that your technology was literally being utilized, and it's behind the scenes, so nobody realized that it was LifeLink. But there's a there's a champion story to this. Yeah, so that that that's probably an experience that most um, most people will have gone through. You know, you've got a, a healthcare visit, you've been scheduled. If it's ambulatory, you expect to go do, you know, go go do the visit and and get on your way. But you know, there's always paperwork involved. You're filling out lots of forms. You're often doing it while you're there, sitting in a waiting room. And when COVID hit, nobody wanted to be in a waiting room. And what Banner did was really, um, you know, innovative. They 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 looked at LifeLink as an enabler of an entirely new kind of waiting room, a virtual waiting room. They, they changed the definition of what a waiting room really is. They expanded it time-wise up into your home by three days so that three days before your visit, you would get a reminder, you would start to get educated in a digital conversation on your phone about what was coming up. A reminder that the appointment was three days away and they had a number of forms to fill out that this is where it was gonna be. Did, and basically to start the intake process. So you could complete your forms and paperwork digitally through a conversation before you ever got to the clinic. And that's what happened. So people started completing all their forms before they even got to the clinic. And then when they got to the clinic, they didn't have to go in. They could wait in their cars, they could wait outside the clinic. And when their exam room was ready, they would be directed right to their exam room. So this has massive implications on cost structure because you don't need teams of people collecting data on forms and putting it into a system on the back end. That's all being done through digital assistance at scale. But also it turns out you may not need as much real estate. So when you get this virtual infrastructure that eliminates the need for people waiting around, waiting in spaces, you can start to look three years out, four years out and change your whole strategy about how much real estate you actually need to run your business. So I think it's a brilliant, it's a great case study. It's public, Banner's talked about it a fair amount. Uh, there's a case study on our website that people can look at, but 
but it's a good example of using digital conversational technology to automate a workflow, improve customer experience, and drive you know wasteful cost structure down. So you need less space, but also you can redeploy talented, smart humans to other things than simply collecting paperwork and entering the data into a system. We're always interested in how technology is going to advance uh, patient care, more specifically pharmacy care. And um, yeah. especially mm -hmm. pharmacy comes to mind and the hub integration comes to mind to coach and to have information accessible based on the specific medication or occurrence or uh, feedback that you can gather through a text message or even a survey that's going out there. What do you want our listeners to know about LifeLink systems and um, and specifically around pharmacists and kind of wrapping up our conversation today, Greg? Well, I think the main thing for, you know, it, it may not be totally clear to um, some of your listeners that, you know, this, this technology, obviously we've talked about a number of use cases. It's, it's you know, it's proven, it's in place, it's there, it's there to be used today. What they may not know is it's it's not the kind of, it, it is specialized technology. You could, you know, look, we, we employ engineers, we spent years constructing a conversation native technology stack that allows us to move quickly to spin up workflows, configure them, get them deployed in, you know, four to eight weeks to get up and running. Sometimes people will look at using underlying technology pieces in assembling or building their own platform. This is a space where commercial technology off the shelf like LifeLink exists now. And it's not the kind of thing you would build from scratch. You, you would never dream of building your own relational database layer today. You would not dream of building your own firewall technology. You're gonna leverage that. And it's the same way with conversational technology now. It's much faster, much more economical to go for commercial off the shelf. I say off the shelf in the, in the broadest terms, meaning there's a whole bunch of pre-built, pre-wired, ready to go infrastructure that you can use. And that's, that's a main, that, that's a very, very important technology distinction because there are times in the technology spectrum when you do have to build things yourself. You, you have to fall back and hire engineers to build things. But this is a place now where you can launch a digital conversation set of experiences around your company, around your pharmacy, around your, your business um, without having to build that technology. You can simply take advantage of what's already working and, and, and move forward. This has been an, uh, an exciting conversation. Anything and everything around technology and of course, artificial intelligence being something that just builds so much curiosity in in pharmacists as well as uh, other healthcare providers. This is important. So the the time that you've taken with us today, Greg, is so much appreciated. Um, we'll have links in our show notes to um, your website, which is lifelinksystems.com. But we greatly appreciate you participating in this conversation as well as uh, the services that you provide to all of healthcare. But where obviously we're biased to pharmacists. So thank you so much for the attention around pharmacy care as well. Yeah, Todd, thank you for the opportunity. I appreciate the time and I appreciate the good work you're doing out in the world, uh, bringing thought leaders in place and talking about innovation generally across the board. That's, uh, that's awesome. And thank you very much. I enjoyed it. Thank you, Greg. 
Hope you have a great day. Thank you so much for listening to our program, to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Please uh, share our, um, our publications with other healthcare providers, letting them know that, in fact, um, pharmacists are leading in many, many uh, areas of, of healthcare and services and patient care. And as always, thank you for everything you do as a pharmacist and as a pharmacy technician. You are our heroes. And a special shout out to LifeLink Systems and the work that you're doing. Thank you so much. We look forward to our next episode.